focus has been one of the most important concepts on this whole podcast. Today, we're going to take that concept, we're going to get more specific, more practical, and talk about how to be intentional on what and when you're going to focus. Welcome to the Leading Edge in Emotionally Focused Therapy with your hosts, Dr. James Hawkins and Dr. Ryan Reyna. EFT is a dynamic model that humbles even the most seasoned therapists. Together, we want to come alongside you as you continually push the leading edge of your understanding and application of this wonderful model developed by Dr. Sue Johnson. Welcome back. We're glad to be with you again. We had a few things going on, a few issues around uh, <laughs> around our world, a little global pandemic, yeah. um, a lot of un- un- unrest in our area. So, but anyway, we're glad to be back with you. And our topic today is really important. It's really about intentionality. We're going to talk about temp, reactivity assessments, and then to be intentional with our focus. But before we start, we want to jump into an acronym, TEMP. TEMP is uh, something we're going to use a lot moving forward. So we just want to stop and give you a quick academic overview of this acronym, TEMP or TEMPO. Uh, this is a takeoff of Magda Arnold's appraisal theory, which you probably learned at your externship. Not that anyone ever forgets things they learned at externship. So <laughs> her acronym was CLMA. And what she's saying is there's an order uh, in which the body takes in information. And so she used the phrase as Q. And then first appraisal was was very physiological in a, a limbic and a, or emotional response. Second appraisal uh, is a cognitive one where we make meaning or narratives about our experience before our action tendencies come forward. So her acronym was CLMA, the order of appraisal. To make that more uh, applicable, um, we, we uh, George Fowler, I guess, was the author of this initially. We started using the phrase temp or tempo. And what we're using this for, T is for trigger, same thing as a Q. We're using the word E, meaning emotion, and we're being very inclusive with that word, meaning all of one's limbic appraisal. In other words, how the body is activated by the trigger. M in temp, so T-E-M stands for meaning, and we're particularly talking about attachment meaning, which means view of self, view of other. And then P stands for protective or protective action. So what do you do as a way to respond to your trigger? And then O, if you want to use tempo, means we're going to organize tempo. So tempo is, is a way to quickly access someone's experience to get the session focused. And if you put two tempos side by side, you've actually tracked out their cycle. So that's what we mean when we talk about temp. We, you can also uh, conversely call it tempo. And so that's going to be a, a major feature of today's episode. Yeah, I, you're right, Ryan. I think that just gives therapists, because with EFT, it is a very dynamic model. But this is a quick little easy nugget for a therapist to hold on to so you're not trying to juggle too many things at one time. Exactly. And today we want to just jump in here and get started. Uh, I know, you know, one of the reasons that we do this is I hate the sensation that we can't help people because we're not clear. That gives me a passion to want to jump in and do my best to help other people who have such great intentions and heart but are getting a little bit lost, you know, and it, it, the gravity of what we're doing cannot be overstated. That's right. And talking about impact on the world, impact on generations, impact on children in the homes of adult relationships. And so to think that 
where that people can't get the our very best effort because we're confused mm. just doesn't sit well with me. That's good. So that's mo- that's motivating for me behind the whole podcast and especially today. That is so true, Ryan. I mean, and it is powerful. Is my 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 limited experience in supervision, but I've seen so many great therapists that just say that you see them at critical moments in therapy and they're not quite which sure direction to go and they get a little lost. And so you're definitely going to clear up one part and either I see them just run into it and get blasted or they spend too much time in organization and kind of lose that, that, that emotional moment in session. Well said. That's exactly where we're coming from today. I see people in super, and this is based on supervision, things that we've learned over the years and years of working with um, therapists that are doing EFT and trying to do their best experiential work. The funny thing for me is this, it's a funny anomaly of me. I don't even like my own style. When I watch my own videos, I'm like, ugh, I hate my style. My results are pretty good, you know, so, so I feel okay about that. I'm not going to be too self-deprecating, although I certainly have my share of losses and don't always have good sessions. But overall, I, 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 I'm fairly successful, but I don't like my style. So ironically, a lot of times in supervision, when I turn on the video, the first thing I feel is I'm a little bit jealous. Mm. Like I love the flow and the presence and how smooth people are. That's the good news is we have a lot of really talented people out there, but then they get lost. And so that beauty that they have, that are built, that ability to attune, their natural empathy, their natural just sort of talent doesn't get conveyed where the relationship needs it because they get lost. And I like what you said in one episode on blocks though, them getting lost actually makes sense because that's a natural part of the process. Their couple is there because they get blasted and get lost here too. And as the therapist is trying to attune to it, they get into the place and they get lost. And actually, if I means you're in a good spot, you just got to be able to organize it, which is what part of what we're going to be talking about. Exactly. And so you're saying, are we going to do another episode on focus? Yes, we are. <laughs> we could do another episode every day on focus and it's never too much because that's the thing is if you get a session really focused and you get clear now, all that talent gets to come forward into the right place and people heal. And we trust that process. Let's back up a little bit. What we're meaning by intentionality today is, you know, you start the session and even, and even moment to moment or segments of the session, you know, if you stop at 30 minutes, I'm just kind of using that, that exact time vaguely, and you sort of are constantly reassessing how reactive the relationship right in front of you is. How reactive are they? Because the more reactive they are, it sort of shifts our intentionality one direction, kind of up, if you think about this in terms of a map. If they're less reactive, we need to change our intentionality and take it sort of down on a map. And we're going to kind of go over what this map says as we move along. So the more reactive they are, you need, to do, you need to consider doing a certain set of intentional things. The less reactive they are, you don't want to do those same things as much, all right? And most of these things we've already talked about in ways, so some of what we're doing is organizing uh, something that's actually very hard to organize. <laughs> so let's step back a little minute. How do you know when a couple is really reactive versus how do you know when a couple is not so reactive? Wow, man. When I answer that, well, of course, now we haven't trained. It's the blocks, man. The more blocks you keep hitting, you know that reactivity is there. Um, But then, of course, we follow the emotion. Emotion tells us, and we follow the body. All right. And if you're trying to follow emotion and they won't go, 
There you go. Your glue. There you go. That's right. Yeah. So so reactivity works on on like a continuum, right? So if a couple is at a reactive a reactivity level of ten, you're not going to go for vulnerability right then. And we see people try to do that in supervision. They ask this really beautiful question, and and that is that's vulnerable, but that's not where the couple is. The couple is still way too blocked for that. Or I saw one last week of a really good therapist. And they're just, the, the, the relationship was very distressed. And she tried to seed attachment, which is a great move. But then she asked for a longing. And I guarantee you the longing is there. Her empathy was right on. But her attunement was really off. Because that, it just made it worse. Not only did they not reveal the longing, they slammed their partner. Because it was a vulnerable question. That's not where they were. So I just want to take a minute or two to define you know, in a, in a loose way, I'm not going to be too academic with this, what more reactivity and less reactivity is. Basically, the more defensive someone is, the more chaotic it feels, the more reactive that relationship currently is. The converse of that, the less reactive someone is, the more present they are, the more paced, the more curiosity, the more they're telling you that they feel safer. There's an openness here. More specifically, we wrote some ideas down. Here's one way to know how, how reactive someone is. Will they actually answer your question? <laughs> if you say, what happens for your heart when you see him move away and they say something like, well, last week he did this, this, and this. That's a very reactive response. You see, you didn't answer my question. So if they're constantly topic hopping, changing the subject, those are all blocks, just like James said. But those are indicators that, hey, hey, we're not ready yet. We need more organization work. We're not ready to go for the heart. You've got to come up with us above the line and help us reorganize this to slow this down. So good, good segue there because speed is a major indicator. The speed of, of a bonding conversation is like, you know, seven miles an hour. And it's probably an American way to say that. What is that in kilometers? I don't know. Slow. I have no idea. <laughs> bonding, bonding speed is slow. Reactivity is fast. People don't finish their thought before they're off to the next one. People interrupt each other. People interrupt themselves. Those are ways to know the couple's telling you we can't go do vulnerability, at least not in this part of the session. Maybe, maybe in 40 minutes, but maybe not for six more weeks. So, other ways to know that someone's reactive, they can be very preoccupied in the view of other with this sort of implied sense. Everything would be fine if they would just change. People can be obsessive. Pursuers a little more likely, but withdrawers can be that way as well. Preoccupation with content. They, they can become almost obsessed with diagnosing their partner or obsessed with, we got to talk about money. We got to talk about sex. If we could just solve the money problems, we would be so good. And that's that, that's that siren, you know, that, that's beckoning us to come chase it. But the reality is solving, you can't solve attachment issues. You can't solve attachment distance with linear first order content solutions. It, it will make them worse um, or not change it. Um, and another, another way to look at reactivity, because reactivity goes both ways. It's not just about too much energy. Reactivity is also when there's not enough so lack of motivation, I don't really want to be here. A lot of, I don't know, just a lack of engagement is also telling you, 
I'm not safe enough. I'm not ready to go do vulnerability. You've got to shift and reorganize this to make a bridge for me to move. Another one is another example of reactivity. The last one we'll go into today is when they repeat themselves over and over and over. That's a major indicator. I see that a lot in supervision, you know, especially with pursuers. They tend to like have a phrase they go to. If someone repeats themselves two or three times, stop what you're doing and lean right back towards their experience. Because what they're saying is, I'm too reactive. This is not safe. No one has me. You're going to have to come and get me secure before I can do anything for you. So there's just a quick list of how to assess for reactivity. And based on where you evaluate them, it should change what you're trying to do intentionally, at least for the next several minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Does that make sense to you? What would you add there? Man, I just want to highlight that line you said, when people are in reactivity, stop what you're doing and lean into their response because you could easily keep blowing right past that and then just furthering the cycle even more right there in session. So I just think that that could be so good for our clients. And these things that you laid out, great assessments of little things, little key markers that you can see that indicate there's reactivity, and that could just tell you pause, stop. They're not ready. It's okay. Lean into what's happening. Make it overt. Make it explicit. Point out those protection places. Point out the blocks. Point out what's happening in their body. Or I see you keep repeating this right here, right now. That means it's so important to you. So help. thank you for repeating this place because you're bringing it up for a reason. Let me lean into that. Yep. And then that help open your validating it, validate, then explore. Then you'll see if it shifts them. Then you can try and go for more vulnerability. But if you go for vulnerability in that moment, you're going to mm. get what the cycle has already taught them all along. Yeah. And the number one thing that I see just getting to the point of, of why we chose this topic today over several other topics that have been suggested, which we'll get to some of those. What I'm seeing really, really talented therapists lose their way is they're kind of half trying to organize and half trying to do vulnerability. And that's where you don't want to get stuck. So on our map, we have a map on the board in front of us right here. And we have a line down the middle right in the middle sort of horizontally we have a vertical line that's measuring how reactive a couple is down the middle we called it no man's land where you're kind of getting it organized and kind of going for emotion and boy you, you won't get either one of them done and and you'll be wanting to do some other model pretty soon and so I don't want to say you can never mix the two are meant to mix our organization should take us into vulnerability but when a couple's reactive, you know, let's just make this number up four and a half or five out of 10 or more, you need to go do organization work. Don't try to go for longings. Don't try to go for, for vulnerability or primary emotion yet. There's telling you, you're going to have to come work with my protection before I can give you my vulnerability. And you know what? They should, they should. People don't protect themselves for no reason. We need to trust that our clients' instincts are there for good reasons and point that out. Let me keep going. Yeah. All right. So you assess at the start of the session, or maybe you kind of do a, a quick, and when I say assess, I'm not talking about formal. I don't mean like hand them a form or something. I just mean in your mind, where are they? Where are they? Where are they? Maybe it's the first of the session, or maybe you check back at minute 35 and your instincts say, you know what, I think they're still pretty reactive. They're a seven and a half out of 10. Instantly, we want you to have permission. And again, let me stop and just say EFT, one of the things we love about it is it is based in science, neuroscience, but it's also art. 
So we're not trying to lock you into a certain way of doing that. That's not the spirit of what we're doing at all. If you find something that works for you, by all means do it. But I think these, these ideas might be valuable. So I want to soften how we're saying that, but I don't want to soften it so much that we're not clear. So I'm going to keep rolling along. You, you assess or reassess that the relationship is reactive. <coughs> Excuse me, maybe a seven and a half out of 10. The first thing I want you to think of and to have permission is for you to take control. And a lot of us as therapists are a little shy about that right? Because it might feel socially odd, or maybe we were trained to be open-ended questions and just let people process, which is a beautiful thought if you're working with an individual. And it's a beautiful thought, again, maybe, if people are not reactive. But when there's a reactive cycle playing out in front of you, the couple is saying, we can't control this, we need you. We can't control this, we need you. So I need you to have permission to take control. And the first thing you're going to do is walk out into a minefield of blocks. The blocks are everywhere. The more you can know this is part of the process, and that's okay. You can expect the blocks. You see them coming. You see the good reasons they have. It really gives you a chance to come alongside them through this minefield of blocks and go for organization and focus. So when you're going for organization focus, what you're doing is you're breaking through their summaries and narratives after you've heard them out a little bit and after you've honored them. You don't want to chase philosophy and themes and summaries because summaries are the enemy of experience. I can't be in my emotion and be summarizing it at the same time. So we're trying to break through these summaries and work with their secondary emotion. And we're looking for a vivid trigger. We're trying to go to temp. The more reactive a couple is, the more time and repetition they need of us running temp. Wow. You want to add to that? No, I like that a lot, Ryan. The more vivid and reactive, the more they need us to do temp. Because that going with the Magna Arnold said, is many of our clients are in this anxious state because their emotional experience isn't organized. It's fragmented, which is a very anxiety-provoking situation. And you can see that when you run temp one time, not enough, some many times, do it again, do it a third time, you kind of see it begin to exhaust them. It's like you literally are massaging out the kink or the or that block in their body and getting them back open again. Exactly. And I, I supervised a case recently. The therapist did such a great job. She was working with it was a female client. It was a non traditional relationship, applies across the board here. And, and this female was very, very escalated and very, very reactive. And, uh, and so my, my, ther my therapist, a therapist I was supervising, um, did a great job. She, she had to ask her nine times for the trigger. And she kept giving vague answers like, well, he's just upset or he's, he's not choosing me or he goes away. And earlier in my career, I would have worked with that. You will not get me to push off the dock on something that vague anymore. Okay. It won't happen. I will not do it. Right. And my supervisee just kept going. She just say, I'm so sorry. I know it's annoying. I need you to help me get more clear, which is a great phrase. Help me get more clear. Can you do me a favor? Can you slow down and help me get more clear? Exactly what do you observe with your partner that sets this going? And she ignored it again. But like the eighth time, she finally says he gets cold and his answers get short, and there's a tone of voice. And I'm like, there we go. 
Now we have an actual trigger. The rest of that stuff was just some blame coming out. And as soon as she did that, within 30 seconds, her eyes filled with tears and the whole thing shifted. Clients cannot close the doors on their own triggers. That's why they're triggers. We need to know where those doors are with vivid descriptions of observable triggers. And I don't know if we've, we've never done temp on this show yet, have we? Because here's why triggers are important. Tell me if I'm getting this definition wrong because we've been working on this. But it is any type of stimulus that activates a, an attach, a physiological attachment response in the body. So you need to get that thing that is making their body say not safe, not safe, not safe. Because the body's going to keep reacting until you deal with that thing that's, that's a li- uh, uh, ignited the threat system. If you don't have a trigger, you really don't have a client. All you have is, is just a story, a philosophy. And, and I, I'm, I, I appreciate narrative therapy. I like philosophy sometimes. The problem is you can't, you can't unwire a vicious bomb of a reactive cycle with a bunch of philosophy. It has to be tactical. So, so then from that point, we want to run tempo. So he gets shallow. Your partner gets really shallow. He moves away from you. There's a coldness in his tone of voice. And what message does that send to you? So I just moved from T to M. I don't matter. He doesn't care. And then it's like, oh, I feel that right now. Even when you said that, how does that land on your heart? It makes her sad. Can you feel that in your body? Yes, it's a tightness in my stomach. Of course. Even your body's saying this is not good. I don't want to be apart from him. And then what do you find yourself doing from that sad place? I go and try to explain myself. So now I just did temp, you see. I got the trigger, mm-hmm. his coldness and the shortness in his voice. I got the meaning. I got the emotional sadness and the tear and the body marker. And I got the explanation. And there's temp on one side. The more reactive your couple is, the more time they need to get temp. Now we want to go to the other side. And once you get temp on both sides, you've changed your case. It's gone from a bunch of complaints. Now you're into their attachment dance. Mm-hmm. Sue Johnson is now using temp as one of the ways to describe the first move of the tango, reflecting the present process. Mm-hmm. The present process is not the explanations that were given. It is what their actual moves are. That is the present process in regards to whatever content is being set. So having a very vivid, observable trigger. It's a cue from the environment that hits, uh, hits you in a vulnerable place that creates physiological responses. That's okay. a trigger. The cycle uses the trigger to do harm. The therapist uses the trigger to enter their experience and to use it for good. So there's this battle that we're in. The insight that's needed, just one more quick point here on temp. The insight that's needed, you know, I think sometimes in, in EFT we spend too much time trying to give clients a cognitive understanding of their cycle, which is some but limited value. But the insight clients do need to have is they need to know what is the tie between their primary emotional pain and their protective action. You know, I'm not big on you need to take responsibility, which is, you know, a half a, half a step away from shame. But I do need to know, hey, when I feel rejected, I get blamey or when I feel like I'm being told I'm failing, I tend to go away. Your clients need that level of insight. They need the organization of temp when they're highly reactive. If you get there 
and they will not move. They're so upset. Usually, if you get temp really, really clear, what you'll find is you've slowed things down. As Sue Johnson says, temp is affective assembly. You have organized their experience with their body and with each other, which is sort of the first level of attachment work, affective assembly. But if you get there and you use temp and, it, and, and you get it clear, but they're still super active, refer back to episode eight. Because <laughs> what they're telling you with that, with when they're saying I won't shift, what they're saying to you is I'm not sure you have my attachment dilemma. The gun is still loaded, so to speak, because I'm not sure you got me. So take, so take a moment or several moments and repetitively reflect the attachment dilemma. Those, those, so organizing with temp and attachment dilemma are very close to each other. So now I'm going to contradict myself. As important as temp is, as working with secondary emotion is, working with blocks, uh, making sure we have the tie clear, clearly between primary emotion and protective action, reflecting the attachment dilemmas on our map here now is a wall because you can have a couple really, really organized and know their cycle. And that is not going to bring about change. The organization work is just to shift the conversation to slow it down, to decrease some reactivity so that we can go do the real work, which is below the line. There we go. So now you reassess this couple at minute 40, minute 37, and, and they took a deep breath. Or maybe there's a tear in the room. Oftentimes when temp goes well, a primary emotion will enter your room. And you say, you know, I think they're more like a three right now. So if you assess that the couple is, you know, less than five, a little reactive but not a lot, what I want to say to you is don't overorganize. You can still use temp a little, but you don't need to spend 35 minutes there. Now they're present. Now their hearts are online. And now we want to go experiential. We want to go into the vulnerable emotion, into the primary emotion. Quoting one of my mentors, the great Leanne Campbell. She says, follow the juice. Follow the juice. Go break those summaries again if you need to. Go ahead and get back to that vivid trigger. But this time, instead of using temp to organize, we're using that trigger to bring the emotion alive in the office. We want to we want to get the vulnerability online. At that point, we want to drop an anchor. We want to say, I need you to stay with me here for four or five minutes. We want to hover. We want to unpack the emotion. We want to distill it into a granular, clear form. So there's a clear signal about someone's heart coming out towards their partner. And of course, then the magic of EFT, we enact it. We process the enactment. We're also still ready for blocks. <clears throat> we have our parts work, you know, ready for blocks and bullets and the th those things that happen sometimes even down below the line. But we're recognizing once that vulnerability is in the room, we are on mission. And EFT proceeds one mission at a time. Later on in stage two, we want to add model of self. We want to add longings. But every time we get vulnerability in the room, we want to make sure we get it clear and get some response back to it. Because the theory of change in EFT is we have to give people corrective experiences. We have to give them success and vulnerability. Otherwise, why would they be vulnerable? Mm -hmm. So if you haven't checked out our website, by the way, successandvulnerability.com, 
Uh, we are going through in videos and very specific, explicit forms of, of really everything we've discussed on this podcast. So kind of backing out, we're talking about being intentional, constantly assessing level of reactivity. The more reactive they are, we want to go above the line, work with blocks, use a lot of organization with temp or dilemmas, making sure we don't get lost being a mediator or trying to solve their content problems. If they're less reactive, pull out of that organization. Use just a little bit of organization. Get close to that vivid trigger. Follow the juice. Let's get on mission and get a response back to it. Wow. I like those two lead-ins. As you assess reactivity, and I'm looking at your map you got on the board here, right, where you have that focus organization and then the experiential mission. I just like that. That's, that that's breaks it down. I like how EFT can keep, as you as the trainer team and Sue, just keep working on refining this process. I'm glad I'm in it now than versus when y'all first started. <laughs> it's different. It's different than it was even five or six years ago, which is credit to Sue herself yeah. for being flexible and adaptive and letting people have multiple voices. And at the same time, it's not that different. All we're doing is trying to find yeah. more clear ways to share this where multiple people and styles can work within this. And, and let me be clear, you can apply today's concepts with a million different styles. You can use a lot of words like me, although I wish I didn't, or you can, you can be very quiet as long as you know when to talk and, and to recognize when you've got to take control versus when you can just lo- sort of surf into the experience of your clients. Man, this is good, y'all. Ryan, thank you so much. And, and I, I was just going to say, let's just let's take one minute. Okay. I'm curious for you, James, uh, where do you, what do you think is the hardest part of this? Man, Ryan, I think like, so as I'm looking at it, what, what felt relief for me, what I, as I felt in my body was, okay, let me deal with reactivity first. Like even in those first few moments, as I'm walking my client back, I'm thinking about checking their body, watching them as they sit on the sofa, how do they, and I'm trying to figure out how reactive they are. And then I get to make a choice. So for me, if, if I'm being for me and I have the more of the withdrawal style, uh, I'm, I'm more comfortable with it now, but that focus organization where we're getting into the the blocks and the minefields and honoring secondary emotion, my body that wears me out. I'm like, oh my gosh, why does it have to be all this? You knew you came to therapy. Why aren't you ready to just do vulnerability? <laughs> so now I know that I can make the choice. Okay, this is focus organization for the session today, at least for this moment. Because it's like you said, intentional moment to moment. But right now, this is where I'm at. But where I want to go all the time, Ryan, if I'm honest as a therapist, I want to go on the experiential mo- uh, mission mm-hmm. in vulnerability. Mm-hmm. But I have to attune. If they're not there, if they're, like you said, they're a five or above, don't do that, James. Mm-hmm. You're only setting them up for, for more of the same pain that they've experienced already. Mm-hmm. Go up there above the line. Help them where they need help. Clear up some of these blocks so that way they can have those experiential missions and those corrective emotional experiences. Great point. I want to make this point, and we'll close it if you, okay. if we, if you want to. Go, yeah, exactly. Go up there and relax. Yeah, I like that. Now, you're still going to match and those sort of things. But I think the reason that – so most of us want to do below-the-line work. That's why you sign up for EFT. You love those training videos. And, you know, we all love deep vulnerability. You know, you're inspired by it. I am. I'm inspired by it. But the problem is that's not where clients land in your office. If they could do this, they wouldn't need you. So the sacrificial, hard, grinded-out part is our willingness to go up in that minefield – and work with that secondary emotion to really, really point out the attachment function of every block. As we talked about in Block School 101, that's hard work. Yeah. What's even harder, though, is when you, is when you feel like it's going wrong. Yeah. 
if you feel like you should be in these deeper places, but you keep getting blocked, that's when the stress comes over our body as opposed to saying, no, they're real reactive today. It's not my job to take them deep. My job is just to get it organized. So I'll, I'll, I'll quote Gail Palmer here one time, 2009, I was working with a couple on a zero to 10 scale of reactivity. They were about a 19. And so I did a consult with her and, and she, in her, in her lovely way, she didn't say this, but what she meant was basically you're the problem. <laughs> and she's like, you want this more than they do. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. She's like, relax. If they're that reactive, just be a clarifier. So just put on a, put on a clarifier hat. Stop trying to make something happen. That's not your job. Don't go into the session with an agenda. Your agenda is to be where they are. And so if, so I would just go in I would, I, and sometimes now I literally on my, I've got a legal pad in front of me here. I'll just write the acronym temp down the middle, T E M P. And if it's really bad, I'm matching with them, but I'm also just saying, look guys, I've got to get some clarity here. Can you help me? And I get two vivid triggers. I get some of the pain. I get the, the, the meaning and the attachment messages that are being sent. I get what they do. And instantly, it's amazing how just that organization slows things down. It's like grounding them to have that kind of organization. But the key that I'm trying to emphasize is if they're really reactive, you can just relax into organizing them and not feel like you've got to walk away with a solution. That's when our bodies compress and then our attachment strategies come online, our pursuer and withdrawer. And I just want to throw one more part. And and even so we talked about the above the line that could be hard. That happens for me. But I also have seen in some supervision where they are supposed to be below the line. The couple's open. And I've seen sometimes therapists with for good intentions, they like this all this uh, vulnerability comes up and they're like, ah, I'm not quite sure. So let me go organize some more. Instead of pushing ahead and more because when we feel their vulnerability comes up, that hits us too. And uh we wanna kind of maybe rescue them, not pull their pants down, kind of <laughs> idea, kind of experience there. That, so that's important not to over-organize and leave a good moment of vulnerability on the table. Be intentional. Your client's level of reactivity really determines what you're intentionally trying to do at each moment in therapy. Thank you for listening. We hope this experience helps you push the leading edge in your work to help people connect with themselves and with each other. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five-star review. You can contact us at pushtheleadingedge at gmail.com and you can follow us on our Facebook page at Push the Leading Edge. You can follow Ryan on Facebook at Ryan Rayner Professional Training and on his website, ryanraynertraining.com. You can follow James on Facebook and Instagram at DocHawkLPC. You can also check out his website, DocHawkLPC.com. Thank you.